Well, in our ongoing study of Second Peter, in the evening services, I'd like you to turn to Second Peter chapter one and verses eight through eleven. Second Peter chapter one, verses eight through eleven. In verses 8 through 11, 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes this, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from becoming or from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, our first point tonight is assurance of salvation. Assurance of salvation has always been, and as long as we are on this earth will always be, a very important subject for Christians. Can I know for sure that I'm saved? What if I have doubts about my salvation? Very important subject. I would say that the three pastors have counseled quite a few people over the years who have had doubts about their salvation, and it is an important subject to deal with. I want to share a quote with you, a very important one to begin. John MacArthur writes, Assurance of salvation is directly related to present spiritual service and obedience, not merely to a past salvation event. Everything else I'm going to share with you tonight really hinges on the thought in that quote. I think he captures it well. Assurance of salvation is directly related to present spiritual service and obedience, not merely to a past salvation event. Now, in Baptist circles, we use the term eternal security. I would say that most of you have probably heard that at some point or another. We believe in eternal security, that if you are saved, you cannot lose your salvation. We also use the term once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved. Now, the term eternal security is a good term. It really is. So I don't want you to misunderstand anything I'm about to say tonight. Eternal security is a good term, but it is a term that can easily be abused. And here's how it is sometimes abused. Let's say that someone, let's say there is a man who came to, who prayed a sinner's prayer in 1985. He met with someone, he walked an aisle in a church or at a crusade, and he prayed the sinner's prayer, asked Jesus to come into his heart, to come into his life. But ever since that, for the last 30 years, he hasn't really gone to church much. 
shows very little evidence of being a born-again Christian, has no desire for the Word of God, no desire for prayer, basically is out living for the world. But he was told, I'm eternally secure because I prayed that prayer back in 1985. That is an abuse of the, year, of the term eternal security. There is a very high likelihood that that man is not saved. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. There is a very high likelihood that that man is not saved because there is no fruit in his life. There is no evidence of his salvation. When we use the term once saved, always saved, you know what the key term is? Once saved. If you're truly saved, then you're always saved. But you better make sure you've been once saved first. So if you're truly saved, you're always saved. But if you've never actually been saved, you can have a false assurance just because you prayed some prayer. Now, historically, Protestant Christians have used the term perseverance of the saints to refer to our eternally secure salvation. Some theologians prefer the term perseverance of the saints to the term eternal security. Now, perseverance of the saints simply means this. It is often referred to as the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. And it means this. If you are genuinely born again, you will, on a, as a consistent pattern, over your lifetime as a Christian, give great evidence that you are truly born again. You will persevere in the faith. As a saint of the Lord, you will persevere. Now, it doesn't mean you won't have temporary lapses. It doesn't mean you won't occasionally have doubts about your salvation. But as an overall pattern, consistent pattern in your life, you will persevere in the faith. You will have a longing and desire to walk with God, to know Christ, to be in the Word of God, to be in prayer, to have fellowship with the people of God at church on a regular basis. You will, if you are truly saved, if you are truly a saint. No one addresses this issue better than the Apostle John. No one that I know of really addresses this particular issue of assurance of salvation, of giving evidence of your salvation, than the Apostle John does in his first epistle, 1 John. In 1 John chapter 2, in verses 4 through 6, he says this, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Which goes along very well with what I shared with you this morning from 1 Peter, that Christ has left us an example that we are to walk in his steps. Look at that first, first part of that first sentence. John says it so well. Let it sink in tonight. The ESV has a great translation here. Whoever says, 
I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Are you with me tonight? Whoever says, I know him, whoever says, I'm saved, I know Jesus as my Savior, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Again, verse 6 says there, whoever says he abides in him, whoever says he's saved, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 John 2, verses 9 through 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Another way to say this would be whoever says I'm saved but does not obey the teachings of Jesus is not saved. Whoever says I'm saved but does not obey the teachings of Jesus is not saved. Later in that same chapter, and I don't have the verse on the screen for you so you can just listen as I read it. John says something very important here. We need to know that every once in a while people are going to leave us. I'm not talking about they leave our church and go to another church. I'm talking about every once in a while, even in churches like this one, there are going to be people who abandon the faith, who walk away from the whole thing. And we are not to be surprised. Over 2,000 years ago, the Apostle John told us that this would happen and would continue to happen. In 1 John 2.19, very important verse, 1 John 2.19, John says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. What John is saying here, there were some who were among us, but they went out from us. They abandoned the faith. They left the faith. And it was to give evidence that they were really not one of us. And that's going to happen from time to time. There were going to be people who abandoned the faith to give evidence they were never really a genuine born-again Christian in the first place. Well, Peter begins this section of Scripture with the little phrase, these qualities. Notice that in verse 8. It's very important. I want you to notice that phrase, these qualities. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing. Now, in verses 1 through 4 of this chapter, Peter describes our great salvation and the incredible blessings that belong to those who are in Christ. In the middle part of verse 1, he says, To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you recall when I preached on that, Peter is making the incredible statement that we have the very same salvation that the apostles do. 
My salvation is the same as the Apostle Paul's. Your salvation is the same as the Apostle Peter's. It is not different. It is the very same salvation. He says, I am writing to those who have obtained a faith, a salvation of equal standing with ours in the same way we were saved by the righteousness of our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. His righteousness was transferred to us declaring us righteous in the sight of a holy God. In verse 3, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have in Christ everything we need to live a godly life. Nothing is lacking. Nothing is lacking. There is no extra thing from outside us that we need in order to be a productive, godly man or woman. In verse 4, he says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. God has given to us his word, his holy, inerrant, authoritative word. We have the precious and very great promises of God at our disposal in our language so that we can understand them. And then in verses 5 through 7, Peter lists seven character traits that are to be diligently pursued as we follow Christ and live out the Christian life. We looked at these, each and every one of them. I described each and every one of them two Sunday nights ago. Last Sunday night, we had baptism and membership. But two Sunday nights ago, we looked at these character traits that are to be evident and are to be pursued by every Christian. In verse 5, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith, to supplement your salvation with these things. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Those are the things that we are to make every effort to develop and pursue in our Christian lives. Virtue. Knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And so in verse 8, Peter says, For if these qualities, those are the qualities he's talking about, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing. Well, that leads us to our second point tonight, fruitfulness and assurance. If we make every effort to pursue the seven character traits found in verses 5 and 6, it will keep us from being ineffective and unfruitful. Again, verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ means to not only know him in a saving way, but to want him, to hunger for him, to thirst for him, to desire him more than you desire life itself. And if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being unfruitful or ineffective in your pursuit of that knowledge. Ineffective here means inactive or idle. It is something powerful that is not being used. If you are not pursuing these character traits in your life, it can be as if there is some 
not if there is, but there is a great power in you. You have this dynamite in you, the Holy Spirit. But in a sense, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life sits by idle because you're not making every effort to pursue these character qualities in your life. Unfruitful means barren and is often used in connection with unbelief or apostasy. It means if you are not developing godly character qualities in your life, you're really no different than the unbeliever that you work with or rub shoulders with each and every day. But if Christians pursue the virtues that Peter describes, their lives will be increasingly productive spiritually. As you pursue these things, you know of your salvation. You know that you have everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. You have his very great and precious promises. And you are pursuing these character traits. It's as if you are unleashing this power within your life. So the pursuit of these virtues, these seven character traits, will cause us to grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, a knowledge that leads us to a powerful and fruitful Christian life. It is this whole thought of, Lord, I want to know you more. I've been saved for 20 years, or I've been saved for 25 years, but Lord, don't let me become stagnant. Don't let me become ineffective or unfruitful. I want to go deeper. I want to go higher, however you want to term it. It is someone who is as passionate for Christ as they were when they were a brand new believer. They are no longer just filling a pew or filling a chair on Sunday. They want to grow in Christ and to be used by him. Well, in verse 9, it says this. Verse 8 is the positive. Verse 9 is the negative. Verse 8, the positive. Verse 9, the negative. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. If you are not pursuing these character qualities in your life, if you have no desire to do that, or little desire to do that, you have become, Peter says, nearsighted and blind. In essence, you've forgotten the awesomeness of your salvation. You have forgotten the thrill, the overwhelming wonder of being saved from your sins, of being cleansed from the sins which once plagued your life. Now, Peter is clearly writing here to Christians. But what he's saying is that temporarily, even as a Christian, you can become nearsighted and blind almost as if you've forgotten who you are. But this is so important to Peter. This means so much to Peter that he immediately follows it up with a warning. Maybe you're a Christian and you've temporarily forgotten this. Maybe you were never saved in the first place. So maybe you are a Christian and you have just forgotten who you are. Or maybe, maybe, you were never saved in the first place. 
So Peter exhorts you to be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Verse 10. Therefore, brothers, sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail or fall. Brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Peter is saying, make sure you're a Christian. Make sure you belong to Christ. That's what he's saying here. Make sure brother and sister, that you are a Christian. Make sure that you belong to Christ. I want you to notice the words diligent and confirm. They are action verbs. Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Now the words calling and election are strong references to your salvation secure salvation in Christ. You could do a series of sermons on these two words. And some, for some Christians, these are a little bit controversial or mysterious. Some translations have make sure of your calling and choosing. It means that God has called you when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. When you were unsaved. God called you. God chose you for himself. When you were wandering in your trespasses and sins, when you were in rebellion against God, he chose you for himself and brought you to himself in his salvation. I don't want to get into the controversial part of that tonight, but rather I want to focus on what Peter is saying. That if you truly know Christ, you are secure in him. And you have nothing to worry about. If, if you truly know him. So therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, make sure of your salvation in Christ. And I want you to really grab hold of the last part of verse 10, where it says, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. You will never fall. When we're talking about the perseverance of the saints, when we're talking about eternal security and assurance of salvation, this is a great passage. So if you're ever dealing with someone on this subject, this is definitely a passage that you want to counsel from. I want you to think of what he's saying in verse 10. Be all the more diligent to confirm that you are saved. Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if, for if you practice these qualities, if these seven character traits are being aggressively developed in your life, if you're making every effort to develop these qualities in your life, giving every evidence of your salvation, brother and sister, you will never, ever lose your salvation. You will never fall. You see what it says there? 
For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. You cannot lose your salvation. You are eternally secure for all of eternity. You can't lose it. If you truly belong to Christ, if you are genuinely born again, and your life gives every evidence of that, no one can take your salvation from you, not even Satan himself. Peter wants you to be so confident and so filled with hope and encouragement in your life. Now watch how he follows it up. Watch how he follows it up in verse 11. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an inheritance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In other words, this is what he's saying. If you're genuinely born again, if you're developing these seven character traits in your life, you're never going to lose your salvation. In fact, I'll guarantee you're going to heaven someday. It's right here. It's right here for in this way, if you practice these qualities, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a thing for a human being to say. I know I'm saved. I know that no one can ever take my salvation from me, and I know I'm going to heaven. That's not arrogance. That's the word of God. That is placing your complete confidence and trust in what God has said. So if you practice these qualities, if you practice these qualities, then you are giving every evidence that you are a child of God. And you can be assured that you will never be condemned. You can be assured that you will never face the judgment of God. And you can be assured that you will go to heaven when you die. I want to go back where I began. John MacArthur writes, Assurance of salvation is directly related to present spiritual service and obedience, not merely to a past salvation event. He's not saying that past salvation event isn't important. He's saying that's not just where you're, the only place where your assurance comes from. Your assurance comes from present spiritual service and obedience. If you deal with someone who is doubting their salvation, perhaps you are sitting here tonight and you have doubts about your own salvation. Two things you always need to look at. Number one, you do need to make sure that you have placed your trust and confidence in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Nothing else. Excuse me. You do need to make sure that you understood when you came to know Christ what it means to be saved 
what it means to invite Jesus Christ into your life as Lord and Savior. But secondly, you need to examine with that person what is your Christian life like right now? Are you giving every evidence of walking with him, of loving him, of knowing him, of desiring him? If you are, if those two things are in place, you need to go forth and live with great confidence and not be afraid or fearful of the future. A number of times in my pastoral ministry, I have had people who have come to me and said, I can't remember the exact date and time when I was saved. Does that mean I'm not saved? And I will say, what are you trusting in your, for, for your salvation? And they will say, well, I'm trusting in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. And then they'll tell me about how much they love him and how they're laboring for him. And folks, it doesn't matter if you don't remember the exact time and date. What matters is what you're trusting in, in and how you're living for him. What matters is what you're trusting in and how you're living for him. Oh, tonight, tonight if you know him, if you have that confidence, rest in it. And don't let anyone or anything take that assurance away from you. But, but, if you're not sure, if that fruitfulness and evidence is not there, you know what the most important thing you can do? Make sure. God honors those who want to make sure. Make sure of your salvation and then live for him with great zeal and great desire. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you will help us as your children to have great assurance of our salvation. Lord, help us to make our calling and election sure, to make sure we are saved. And if we are, if we have done that, Lord, encourage our hearts tonight that we will never fall. No one can ever take our salvation from us. And we are guaranteed, absolutely guaranteed, that we will go to heaven. Lord, I pray for every single person here. Give them that assurance, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.